2: Here's a good idea.
0: Have a point. It makes
2: it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome back to At Your Service, Brad Young, in for the last hour this evening, and stick around after eleven o'clock. You're going to get to hear the replay of St. Louis Talks with Ryan Recker, uh, with Carol Daniel, and with Bo Matthews. I mean, you've heard, you've heard Ryan Recker right here in this time slot for the last four and a half years, except for recently. Why is he gone? Well, because he got moved to the day show. And so you can hear that replay every night here at 11 o'clock when there's not Cardinals baseball going on, of course. So that'll be coming up at 11 o'clock. So you're going to want to stick around for that. In the meantime, uh, what's on your mind? We call this at your service because we are at your service. Phone lines are open 314-436-7900 for calls or texts. Love to hear what's on your mind, especially if you disagree with me. I thoroughly enjoy that. So don't hesitate to call uh, just because you say, I don't agree with that guy. Let me know why. Love to hear it. In the last hour, we're not going to continue talking about this this hour. We've got other topics. But just to wrap up what I did not get to last hour regarding the hiding of the origin of the coronavirus. What's interesting is is it's not just Nancy Pelosi who refuses to get to the bottom of this. I mean, even Chuck Schumer in the Senate voted to investigate the origins of the coronavirus, but not Nancy Pelosi. It's sitting on her desk. She refuses to bring that bill to the floor for a vote. But the New York times also quashed a COVID origin story. In fact, this, this story just came out today that a top editor at the New York times, uh, who is no longer there, uh, but he, he gave an interview. It doesn't give his name, so I guess he doesn't want to, to give out his name for obvious reasons. Uh, but he specifically states that he was told it was be dangerous. This is at the New York Times, and this takes place in early 2020. He was told, and I'm quoting, I was told it was dangerous to run a piece about the origins of the coronavirus. There was resistance to running anything that could suggest that COVID-19 was man-made or had leaked accidentally from a lab, unquote. So you've got Pelosi who doesn't want it. You've got the New York Times that won't investigate it. And you've got the mainstream media that won't report on the GOP findings that were released uh, this week about the origins of the coronavirus. My goodness, we see an orchestrated disinformation campaign, and you and I are unfortunately paying the price for that. Speaking of paying the price, uh, you heard at the top of the hour news. You've heard a lot here in the last couple of days about this infrastructure bill, one point two trillion dollar infrastructure bill. It's set to be passed, but you know here's the part of politics that we call inside baseball. You've heard the phrase: "You may like sausage, but you never want to hear or never want to see how it's made." Well, this is how the sausage is made in Washington, D.C. I want to show you right here. It's very easy. And, of course, it deals with money. Because in this $1.2 trillion infrastructure package, guess what? There is one an additional $1 billion with a B. So $1 billion of the $1.2 trillion dollars is going to an organization that's run by Senator Joe Manchin's wife. She gets an extra billion dollars to spend over four years. Now the organization is uh, is it's called the Appalachian Regional Commission and they work to increase broadband access, and they work to to get computer access. So, I mean, I'm not su- suggesting that the organization isn't a worthwhile organization to receive federal, federal funding. But why do you think it was Joe Manchin's wife that gets the extra $1 billion? Because the Democrats have to have Joe Manchin's vote because the Senate is tied 50-50. And so when the Senate is tied 50-50— you got to make sure that you get Joe Manchin on board, and what a better way to ensure that Joe Manchin's going to support this infrastructure bill? There is no better way than to give the organization run by his wife, oh, you know, an extra billion dollars to spend. You know, that's that's pretty good money. I think it was, um, I think it was uh, Illinois Senator Adlai Stevenson. I think it was him. And if I'm misquoting him, forgive me in advance. But I think he said in the '70s. When you've got a when you're talking about a billion dollars here and a billion dollars there, pretty soon you're talking about real money, and uh, and that's what we're talking about. One billion dollars to Joe Manchin's wife, for at least in my opinion, the sole reason of ensuring that Joe Manchin's going to vote for this infrastructure bill. That, my friends, is how Washington works. So, for this infrastructure bill, are there things in there we need? Of course. Anyone who's driven anywhere knows that the bridges are, are, are challenging. The roads uh, need fixing, repairing. We need new infrastructure built, not just for highways, but for airports, for mass transit, for Internet. We do need the infrastructure. So I don't doubt the need. I just doubt the motive for giving this money to Joe Manchin's wife. But again, that is how the sausage is made in Washington, D.C., When we come back from this break, we're also going to talk about the eviction moratorium. And I side there because this is a story about how uh, politicians manipulate the media to get across their message. We're going to talk about our town's very own Cori Bush, who's at the center of the Media Manipulation uh, Initiative, Uh, that's going on right now in Washington, D.C. regarding the eviction moratorium. Brad Young here on At Your Service. Stick around.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
1: Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: You know, St. Louis's own Cori Bush, new congresswoman from the city of St. Louis, uh, District 1 here in Missouri. She's kind of having a sit-in. A good old fashioned protest uh, in Washington D.C. right now, and the Washington Post uh, just about uh, 30 minutes ago published a picture of her sitting in what looks like an inflatable chair, where she's kind of camped out with this with a bunch of stuff. I mean. Uh, It it looks like, uh, please, I'm not trying to make too much out of it, but with all of this debris and clothing and potato chip bags and everything, it kind of looks like a a campground or a homeless encampment. So there's all this stuff floating all over the place, and she's sitting there checking her cell phone and taking pictures of herself and cheesing for the camera. So the point of this sit-in is to protest the eviction moratorium. Now, what is the federal eviction moratorium? Well, Congress had passed a bill that specified uh, that you couldn't kick anyone out of their house if they're renting, if you're renting a house or an apartment, you can't kick them out if they fail to pay the rent. Now, ostensibly, and, and this is the part of class warfare that just drives me crazy, because ostensibly... This bill is designed, at least the the moratorium eviction, was designed uh, at least for folks like Cory Bush and the Squad and a lot of the other progressive Democrats in Congress, like Elizabeth Warren and many others. It was designed to stick it to these so-called rich companies that own houses and apartment buildings and rent them to folks. But, you know, I looked into this today, and the majority of houses in America that are being rented are not owned by big corporations. They're owned by mom-and-pop people. They're owned by regular citizens who've bought an extra house and rent the house in order to get investment income. And so, so often these attempts to stick it to corporations really just ends up sticking it to regular Americans and citizens. And that's unfortunate. You know, it reminds me of, I think it was in the 1990s, there was this uh, outcry uh, that all of these rich people were buying boats. Now, I don't own a boat, and I don't even—I think I know a couple of people that do, but not anyone close enough that I could borrow their boat. I <laughs> wish I did. I'd borrow it more often. But the issue with boats is that they were trying to say, well, if you are so wealthy that you can buy a boat, then you should be taxed on that because you have too much money. It's kind of the same argument that we hear today about Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson. If they're so rich they can afford to go into space, then we need to tax some huge percentage of their wealth. Same argument in the 1990s about people who were buying boats. So Congress enacted this tax in the 1990s. It was called the boat tax. And if you went out and bought a boat, there was a huge tax on any boat, and this is the important part, That was made in this country who do you think makes boats do you think wealthy billionaire corporate titans are the ones who are out there on the production lines manufacturing boats no that's not who's making boats it's blue collar america that makes boats and so if you slap a great big tax on boats that are made in this country what happens to the boat manufacturing industry it sinks i mean i'm sorry to make the pun But the boat industry sank in the 1990s. And I know I grew up in southern Illinois, and there was a boat manufacturing company about 10 miles, well, less than that, like five miles from my hometown. It went out of business in the 1990s because of this boat tax. Because people didn't want to buy boats if they were going to be a huge tax on it. But what they did was is they bought boats that were imported into this country, and they avoided the tax. So it was cheaper. So at the end of the day— the people who were wealthy enough to buy boats never paid the tax. They didn't pay the tax that was designed to stick it to the rich. But who was truly harmed by that tax? It was the blue-collar workers. It was the guy with no college degree, the electrician, the guy who can use a tool and die, the person who can be fabricating fiberglass to build a boat. Those were the people who lost their jobs, they were probably making 30, 35, 40 bucks an hour working at a boat manufacturing company and they had to go work at a restaurant for 12 or 15 dollars an hour. Those are the people that lost their jobs. So in an effort to stick it to the rich, wealthy fat cats, the only thing that happened was blue-collar Americans lost their jobs. That was the net result. And so we see the same thing going on today with this eviction moratorium. And so we've got Cori Bush out there. We've got uh, AOC. uh, We've got the squad, the whole member, all the members of the squad are protesting. But here's what's interesting. The focus of their wrath at this point isn't the Republicans, as it usually is. It's the White House. It's President Biden, because they want President Biden to artificially extend the moratorium by an executive order. And, and what's interesting is there's so much pressure being put on the White House now by progressive Democrats or socialist Democrats. There's so much pressure that today the White House had to address the issue because of the pressure. This is a quote from the White House. To date, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky and her team have been unable to find legal authority for a new targeted eviction moratorium. Our team is redoubling efforts to identify all available legal authorities to provide necessary protections. In the meantime, the president will continue to do everything in his power to help renters from eviction, unquote. What they're talking about is this. In a Supreme Court decision that got no attention in June, there was a case where uh, uh, the Alabama Association of Realtors sued the Department of Health and Human Services because they were going to artificially institute a CDC moratorium on evictions beyond what was authorized by statute. And so the case goes up to the D.C. District Court, and the judge unilaterally ruled in favor of the Alabama Association of Realtors, meaning the CDC lacked the legal authority to extend the moratorium. That case goes to the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals affirmed. The Supreme Court actually issued an order on the application to vacate the stay, and the Supreme Court ruled five to four that the moratorium could not be extended by an executive order. And in fact, Judge Kavanaugh or Justice Kavanaugh, who wrote the opinion, said, quote, in my view, clear and specific congressional authorization via new legislation, would be necessary for the CDC to extend the moratorium past July 31st, unquote. So what does all this mean and where does it leave us? It means that that Nancy Pelosi, who came out in support of the CDC simply extending the moratorium by executive order, our own Cory Bush and other progressives in Congress want to go against the decision from the U.S. Supreme Court that's about 35 days old to go against that, even though the decision says it can only be done via more legislation. They know they're not going to get a law passed. It's not going to get through the House and the Senate. So instead, they're going to do it by executive order in defiance of the U.S. Supreme Court. That's what they're going to do. So when they talk about accountability in government— When they talk about transparency of government, in so many instances, what we hear from progressives today is simply false because they don't want transparency. They don't want accountability. What they want is do what we say because we know what's best. So for all of these mom and pops across this country that own houses and rent them out to others, they should not be allowed to evict someone who doesn't pay their rent. Why? Because of the pandemic, as of two, as of a week ago, as of a week ago, the White House released its financial data and said there were 9.2 million open jobs in this country. 9.2 million open jobs. And so if someone isn't working, in all likelihood, they're not working because they don't want to work. Now, maybe it's not the kind of work they want. It may be it's not in their area of profession. I mean, there's lots of ands, ands, ands. But when you've got 9.2 million open jobs and you can't pay the rent, you can at least get a job to help pay the rent. But instead, we would rather ban, at least the progressives, we would rather ban people who have invested, who have taken a risk, borrowed money, bought a house, fixed it up, and rented it. They cannot evict people who failed to pay their rent. It's outrageous. And the poster child for this process, this protest, this sit-in that's going on right now in Washington, D.C., is our very own Corey Bush. You know, I've never been more proud. So uh, there she sits on the Capitol steps, taking cheesy selfies of herself and posting them on uh, Twitter to show how she is really sticking it to the man in order to argue against the ability to evict people who don't pay their rent. Hey, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we've got more issues to talk about, including could you go an entire day without looking at a screen? I don't know if you can. I don't know that I could, but I'm to ask you that question. And also, it's back-to-school time, and I'm going to give you a back-to-school shopping list for your conservative children. Yep, that's right. You're going to want to get your pen and paper handy if, you're, if your kids are going back to school, because I have the definitive back-to-school list for conservative children. Children, Brad Young, at your service this evening on X. We'll be right back. Brad Young in with you this evening here on At Your Service. And uh, Die Hard is one of my favorite movies. I don't know if you like it or not. It's one of my favorite movies. And uh, the reason I bring it up is because I've had this... I think it's a six-year ongoing email battle with Joe Holloman over at the Post-Dispatch about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. And so last year I told him, I said, Joe, there are only two kinds of Americans, those who know that Die Hard is a Christmas movie and communists. And uh, I don't know that he, he got my humor in that, but I only, <laughs> only mentioned that because in that same vein... Uh, I've put together, with some help from the Babylon Bee, I've put together my definitive list of back-to-school shopping supplies for your conservative children. And uh, Because back-to-school time, it's August. Your kids are going back to school this month. I've got a daughter going off to Mizzou this month. And so uh, I've, I've put together, again, with some help from the Babylon Bee, The definitive conservative back-to-school shopping list for your conservative child. First of all, and this is probably the most important, make sure you get your kid a fireproof American flag to carry around because, you know, public school teachers are always on the lookouts for American flags to burn. So you got to be prepared. And listen, I'm not trying to offend you if you're a, a public school teacher that loves the flag, but you understand right now a lot of teachers in school uh, the American flag is not their uh, favorite flag to fly. Also, definitive—you got to have this in your kid's backpack. Commie repellent spray. Now, <laughs> uh, 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 Matt, Matt, I think was like he liked that one. It's basically just bear spray, but it also works on commies. So, uh, yep, commie repellent spray. Also, you need to give your kids, especially if your kids are going to middle school and grade school. You gotta send them to school with extra bacon because those those healthy school lunch programs are just awful. So if you send your kid to school with a half a pound of bacon every day, it'll counteract all that garbage they get in their healthy lunches. Uh also buy this. I think you I know you can get these online. They're kid-sized t-shirts that say, I identify as vaccinated. Okay. <laughs> So if you're wearing that shirt, you know, the schools today, think about it. If, if your kid says, I identify as vaccinated, the school districts, they they have to respect your child no matter how he or she identifies, right? So if your kid says, I identify as vaccinated, I mean, isn't that the end of the story? I, I think today's schools, it, it should be. Uh, the other thing you need to have is scissors. Make sure your kid has scissors, just to cut the masks off his peers and set them free, you know, just remind your kids, don't run with scissors. That's, that's always a bad idea. Um, also, make sure that you send your kid to school with a, uh, with a spy camera that's got audio on it. Just to record and secretly record the teacher who's teaching critical race theory. You know, then you can send the recordings over to James O'Keefe at Veritas and bang, it'll get posted on Twitter in like five minutes. So that's you need, need to do that. Also, you can I've seen, you can make these. You can make this fake book cover. Have you ever seen those? They're book covers that go over other books to hide them, so the ki- the teacher can't see what your kids reading. So what you do is is that you make up a fake fake book that says it's it's entitled Das Kapital or something else by Marx. And you put it on the cover as a fake cover, you know, to hide their Bible. If your kid's going to take a Bible to school, they can just cover it with a Marx book, Marxist philosophy, and then the teacher won't hassle them. You can do that. Uh, also, give your kid a watch that only displays the national debt. All right. And then they <laughs> then they could just say, oh, look, it's a twenty nine point five trillion as of today. and just keeps it keeps it running. And also extra boxes of tissues. I would say Kleenex, but they don't want you to say that because of trademark infringement problems. So send an extra box of tissues just to help his classmates wipe away their liberal tears, you know, because if he's if your kid's a strong conservative, then uh, there's going to be some crying and wailing and gnashing of teeth in school. I I remember when I was in college, uh, I was making an argument in one of my political science classes and the teacher said. Brad, you understand that you're the only conservative in this class. There are 29 students in here who disagree with you. And I said, I understand that. And if you go out and find another 30 class members, maybe the argument would be fair and balanced. Uh, she laughed, and I got an A in the class, uh, even though she didn't agree with me, but she recognized that I could make my arguments. So uh, that is your definitive back-to-school list. I want to I want to get Matt here on the phone or on, on the mic here, Matt. I want you pot up there if you would, because uh, there's a there's a study that came out today. I'm going to get your take on this. Seventy three percent of adults, and I'm quoting, can't imagine unquote going a full day without looking at a screen. Now I know you're at work. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight yep. screens that are in front of you here in the camo x command center so i i gotta say assume if you weren't at work because you cannot escape a screen at work i get that and you can't even see the two screens that i'm looking at but if you weren't at work could you imagine going an entire day without looking at a screen
3: um i i would like to i would like to be less on my phone be watching tv less uh I do read a lot, so I think I could entertain myself that way. Like with books? Yeah. Good. Uh, You know, spending time outside, I always enjoy way more than watching TV on the couch. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It it would be super tough, though. I'm sure I would be enjoying it for a certain time, and then after a while, I'd be like, yeah, I need need to check Instagram or something Mm -hmm. something to rot my brain, because I'm having... Much fun being outside. I need to, I need to, you know.
2: <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. You're outdoors <laughs> enjoying God's creation. And oh my goodness, I need to see what's really going on yeah. in the real world. Is that yes. essentially yes, it? the
3: real world of in, social media?
2: In the real world of social media, yes. which is ironic because that's not the real world. Exactly. <laughs> well, you're in the real world. Right. Well, I did. i There was a story that came out. It was during COVID. It was at the beginning of COVID. And a, a group of, it was an experiment in France. And some French company took some uh, campers and put them in the bottom of a, of a cave. And, they, and they, because it was in the bottom of a cave, they were about 100 feet below ground. There was yeah. no cell coverage. They had electricity, so they had lights. They weren't sitting in the dark. But they had no phones, no communication, no radios, no walkie-talkies. They couldn't communicate with anyone for a month. Mm-hmm. And I talked about that story, and I had caller after caller after caller call me up and say they couldn't do it because they w- they couldn't check social media for a month. Nah. I mean, I-, I would
3: certainly like to try it. I don't know about a month, though. I mean, I- I've heard of these TV shows where they're doing that, and it just seems too survivalist to me. Yeah. Po- post-apocalyptic. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> losing the screen is one thing, but to be at the bottom of a cave or whatever in the middle of the wilderness, I don't know if I could do that.
2: Well, see, I would enjoy that. Yeah. It would be fun, the challenge of it, you know, to watch everybody else kind of crumble at the idea that they, yeah. they can't get their social media fix.
3: And if, if you turned out to really enjoy it, then it's an experiment that went right I and mean, you kind of learn something about yourself that, hey, I'm mm-hmm. actually better off without all this social no, media stuff.
2: That's right. And uh, uh, six in 10 of the surveyed adults actually said that they stare at more screens while working from home since the pandemic, as opposed to commuting to an office. And I can see that, you know, if you're working at home, got all the screens going. Yep. Uh, but uh, you, you, my friend, it's like the uh, bridge of the enterprise in here yeah. with all these screens around.
3: Right. I don't I don't need half have them, I don't think. <laughs> but they, they, yeah, they do. Uh, they do look cool, I guess. They, yeah, they do. They do look cool.
2: But uh, I think for so many people today, we've become so dependent on these screens. And I'm just as guilty as anyone else. Uh, although I don't have a Facebook page, the only social media I have is LinkedIn, which really isn't social media. So uh, so at least I can stay off of that because I don't have any of it but uh, but six and ten say boy they couldn't do it. 73% said they couldn't imagine going a full day without looking at a screen. Hey, we're gonna take a break here. When we come back from the last segment. We're gonna hear from the jewel of Camox Kevin Colleen, coming up next here on At your service on Camo X welcome back to At your Service. Hey I just got a uh, <laughs> I've got a flurry of texts and uh, uh, in fact one person texted me and said, hey good show Brad what days are you on? Well you know I don't know it changes from week to week. And uh, I fill in around the baseball game, so it's hard to say. I don't have a normal slot here uh, because I've got a day job. It's called practicing law. I'm running a law firm, so it's not a regular thing. But I'm here uh, filling in pretty regularly, and I got another text here. Please tell Cabo X to put out all of your At Your Service episodes on a podcast. So they are. In fact, if you go and look at At Your Service on uh, the odyssey.com website, If you check under the podcast, we're at your service. You can find all of my uh, shows. They're available for download at any time. And you can also download it from the Odyssey app as well. And that goes back to about May. And then before May, you'll have to look at the Overnight America uh, podcast at that point for my fill-ins for Ryan Recker and after I took over for Ryan when he moved to the day show. So all of that's available. Thanks for your text. I also got another text from a a friend of mine, Denny McLaren, talking about... uh, Uh, He's uh, you're right that uh, most rental properties are run by mom and pop companies. So he is uh, simply confirming what I was saying earlier, that the attempts to stick it to the man really isn't sticking it to the man. It's sticking it to our fellow American citizens who had the had the uh, the audacity to go out and take a risk, borrow money, buy homes, invest in this country in order to to get a profit off of that. God bless you. That's what made our country strong, and yet that's what's being taken down bit by bit by the progressives in Washington. One of the things that's uh, the other interesting thing here I want to hit before the show wraps up this evening is that there's a bill in Congress right now, it's in the Senate, that would legalize marijuana on a federal level. Now, let me make sure that I mention this properly here. It would not make marijuana legal nationwide. But what it would do is it would return it to the states so each individual state can make a determination as to whether marijuana should be legal recreationally or legal uh, for medicinal marijuana. Now, you, you may be saying to yourself, well, wait a minute, Brad. Right now, I know there are states that have already legalized uh, recreational marijuana, like Illinois. And, and that's true. Uh, there are 18 states that have fully legalized recreational marijuana Uh, starting with Colorado and the state of Washington going back to 2012. And 37 states have approved medical marijuana, including Missouri. Now, I'm not a fan of marijuana. I've never used it. not a fan of it being legalized. But what I am a fan of is what's called federalism. And under federalism, there are some things that are decided by the federal government and other things are decided by state and local governments. And to me, marijuana should be one of those issues just like abortion. I mean, that's why Roe v. Wade is bad law, because the regulation of medical procedures under our system of federalism should be the sole province of state governments, not the federal government. So if Roe v. Wade were overturned tomorrow, it would not mean that abortion is legal nationwide. It means that each state would get to decide. So Illinois, a blue state, if they want to have a lot of abortions and continue this reprehensible procedure that kills primarily African-American children, if they want to do that, they can do that. If Missouri wants to protect the sanctity of life, we can do that in Missouri. That's what federalism is all about. And I think the same should apply to marijuana laws, because right now we have states that are legalizing marijuana, even though it's still illegal from the federal government's perspective. And I only bring that up because our very own Kevin Colleen, recently talked about marijuana, as only Kevin can do. This
4: country is going to hell. It's quickly going to hell. Some people are not happy that City Hall has given final zoning approval to converting the failed Steak and Shake at Gravoy and River to Pear into a medical marijuana facility.
1: And I know this because I have a medical background, and uh, marijuana leads to other drugs.
4: But others like the idea... That, that business is empty. And if there's a viable business to go in there, whether selling pot or not, it's, it's okay by me. We were talking about this in the newsroom, and KMOX anchor Sean Michael Wyle pointed out that all of this was foretold long ago in a TV show called Dragnet.
5: Have you been smoking marijuana? Marijuana is illegal, I know that. That's right. For now. In a couple of years, things may change when all the kids grow up and start wearing ties and going to the polls. Marijuana's going to be like liquor, packaged and taxed and sold right off the shelf. I doubt it, Mr. Shipley. Look, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it seems to me there must be better things for cops to do than chase down wild rumors about something as innocent as marijuana. Why don't you go after the big bad guys, the heroin peddlers? I won't argue with you about them. They should be stopped.
2: That's right. We'd like to put them out of business. That's why we're here. What do you mean? We're trying to keep them from getting a new customer.
5: There's a big difference between marijuana and hard narcotics.
2: Yeah, but it's only a small step
5: and everybody who takes a drink is going to be an alcoholic we know that's not true don't we let's face it we're on opposite sides of the fence and there's nothing we can do about it for you if there's a law against it it's wrong black and white i just don't see things that way that's all
0: well you want to give it a try fella. it might keep you out of jail
5: maybe but we'll change the law someday, even though your friend here thinks we won't believe me it's a new world your laws are as outdated as bustles laws are gonna have to be changed to keep pace with the new morality <music>
4: That's dragnet from long ago. The stake and Shake turning into a medical marijuana facility project still needs some building permits, but city hall planners say the project looks a go. It will become a reality. With a whole nother story, I'm Kevin Killeen. Hey, we have
2: unfortunately come up at the end of the show. Boy, three hours flies really fast. Hey, coming up after the break, we're going to have the rerun of St. Louis Talks. It's going to be the highlights of uh, St. Louis Talks today with Ryan Recker, Carol Daniel, and Bo Matthews. So you're going to want to uh, stick around for that this evening. Brad Young, been sitting in with you tonight, had a great time. Uh, I will probably be in next week. Don't know exactly what days, but uh, stay tuned to X, And you can, as always, catch our podcasts at odyssey.com. Have a good night.
5: Sit around and wait for the phone to ring. The the Waiting for someone to tell you everything. The the line, the sit around and wonder what tomorrow will bring. The the Maybe well, it's all
0: right. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network